Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. The strong, the powerful Erica Young has returned to Money Savage. Welcome back, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, great to have you back. Erica Young is the founder and financial coach with TaylorMade Budgets. She is a best-selling author, and I'm excited to have you back on. Erica, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, so I am a wife and a mother, and I really you know, found myself chasing the American dream some years back before I became a mom. And my husband and I, we basically got our, you know, our, our jobs, our college careers, and we were trying to make things work. And just how the American dream goes, you get into debt. And we had a mortgage, we had credit cards, we had student loans, we had car payments, like we had it all. And uh, that you know, got us into trouble, to be honest with you. So I was a working professional. So was he. And we just did not have enough to make ends meet. And so um, we found our way um, out of debt with the use of a budget and that kind of thing. And we wanted to make certain that our kids, you know, didn't have that kind of struggle when they came out of school. And so I've got a college student now and a high schooler. And my goal is to make certain that they have a better financial path than we did starting out. So that's why I became a financial coach to help other people get control of their money before they make stupid decisions or repeat the ones that they've already made, because honestly, we all do it. So that's the work I do. I certainly appreciate that. And that's such an important thing is that we all do it. Nobody's immune to making dumb, any kind of decisions, but certainly, certainly bad decisions with money because, because it's, 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 it's hard. So, so we are having this conversation on May 4th um, and just wanted to sort of get your, get your uh, thoughts on what's, what's, what's top of mind for you right now. Right. So we are in the middle of stay at home orders. Actually, some states are coming out of the stay at home orders and a lot of people are suffering. There's a lot of people who are hurting because they've either lost jobs or lost portions of their income. And, you know, the government is trying to help in many different ways for those who are self-employed or business owners or just by giving stimulus checks. And I think people have to be wise during this season. It is important that they look at what their household needs are, take care of the most important things first and figure out how to come out of this with your finances intact. And I think that it's important that you don't do what everyone else is doing, you do what is best for you. And so sometimes that means holding steady, not spending a whole lot of money, saving your stimulus check. And sometimes that means calling different places to see if you can get some relief or halt your 
car payments, take advantage of, you know, what's inside of the CARES Act in terms of not paying student loans while you, you know, get back on your feet. There's a lot that people can do to, you know, improve their financial situation. And there's a lot of traps that people can fall into. So I want people to just be aware of what's really going on and how it affects their personal household um, economy before they do any money moves right now. Yeah, I think that's that's really solid advice right there. And yeah, I, I I think that was it was Daniel Kahneman. He did he he won the Nobel Prize for economics, even though he's a psychologist. And he his his thing was one of his many things that ninety percent of the decisions we make about money are are based on emotion. Yeah. And so it's got very little to do with the actual, you know, the actual dollars and cents and rates of return and all that important stuff, but it really is. It's 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 what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And you you, you talked about how you need to do what's important for you, not, you know, what you think is what you should be doing for other people and the way that they're looking at you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's I think it's hard because we're such a you know, a society where we can see into the lives of other people through social media and blogs and all of these things where we think we're getting to know people. And it's easy to play that comparison game. And I think right now is the the most important time for people to just look inwardly and say, what are the needs that my household has? And on the barest basic fundamentals, it's, you know, what does my household need to function and run? How can I make certain that food is on my table for the long haul? And don't make decisions later on that you're going to regret. I think that's the biggest thing is making certain that you make decisions that in six or 12 months, you you know, you still know that it was a good decision versus, oh no, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. So what, 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 what kind of decisions are, are, are you talking about? So one could be spending money right now unnecessarily. So lots of people are getting stimulus checks. And the truth is, is that I want people to hold on to it unless you need it for food because you've actually lost your job. And so I don't like the terminology stimulus because I don't want people to go just go spend it because it is quote unquote bonus money. Um, Actually set it aside because I'm concerned we're going to be here for a while. And there's people who are just now finding out that they're losing jobs or losing portions of their income. And so I don't want you to regret having spent it on, let's say, a backyard upgrade or some piece of furniture or some toy when in the end you would have needed it two or three months down the line. So be cautious and conservative with that. And then on the other side of it is be leery of, you know, increasing your credit card debt during the season, because here's the thing. I get it if if your income has suffered and there's no other way. But if you're getting extra income like the stimulus funds or if there is a way for you to reduce your expenses um, inside of your home, looking at a good budget, avoid credit card debt, because honestly, again, down the line, you're going to have to pay that bill. And so if you're living off of credit right now, that's going to be a tough position. And lots of places, your mortgage companies or rental agencies or utility companies, there there's a lot of relief to be found right now. And so I'd rather you seek some of those forbearance programs prior to um, putting your you know funds that you need onto credit. I think that's just, in the end, you just don't want to have any regrets. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that. I couldn't agree with that advice anymore. So... Yeah, hold on to the hold on to the stimulus money that came in. Don't be buying yeah. things on credit. Think thousand percent. Yeah. So, 
I, I think that, that anybody who's actually gotten into debt, which is most of us, and then yep. gotten out of it, yep. it's, 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 it's nice to hear those stories. It's nice to hear about, you know, it took us 12 months to pay off, whatever, an enormous yeah. amount of debt, and to then stay out of it. But I have to, well, I, I know that my wife and I, like some 10 years ago, um, went through a, a process that was very uncomfortable about talking about paring back certain aspects of our lifestyle because we made the decision that we did want to get out of debt and we did not want to be in, to really be at risk fight, yeah. um, fight financially. But that was a really, really hard conversation and we had to make some really, really hard, uncomfortable, unpleasant changes. Mm-hmm. And I think that I, I wanted to get your opinion on how to encourage people to actually go through that process. Yeah. So honestly, talking about money is very emotional and that's why people avoid it. And so we want to be comfortable. We want to feel safe. We want to know the outcomes versus there being uncertainty. And so I understand why people decide not to have the conversation or they put it off and put it off. But the reality is you can't do anything about something if you can't face it. So you can't lose weight without getting on the scale because you need to know where you're starting from, right? You can't increase the amount of savings until you look in your bank account to see what's there and then decide what it is that you need. So the same goes for you can't get out of debt without looking at how much do we have to tackle in this mountain of debt, right? And so the truth is you can't do anything about it without facing it. Where it concerns these conversations, I I think you actually kind of start small. I think, you know, you start saying, having conversations maybe that are 15 or 20 minutes, don't try and have a big, long money summit because that will push somebody in the opposite direction. But just start talking about your goals and your dreams and why it's important for you to make some changes with your money. If you start with the motivation, if you start with the teamwork, if you start with shared goals, those are the things that get you excited. Those are the things that are not actually hard to discuss. And then they will lead you into those more challenging conversations. But the good part is, is that if you have a shared goal and you say, well, I want to be able to take a vacation every year and not put it on credit. And that's the goal. Then it's easier to look at your money and say, well, if this is what our goal is, what do we have to do to get there? Right. Instead of just saying, well, we've got to just tackle this debt. You don't have anything that you're striving for. And so I think we have to reverse this a little bit and find the motivation first. Find that big why first. Look in your kids eyes first and say, this is the reason why I want this to happen. And our reason was we just did not want our kids to have student loan debt. We didn't want them to start upside down in life in the hole when they come out of college. And how can we do that? We wanted to have, you know, no debt and be able to have enough wisdom and insight into how to help them not have that or save money so that they, we can pay for their college education. And that was our big motivating factor. And so people have to go internal and figure out what those motivating big picture goals are that's going to keep them moving forward. Yeah, I think that that's excellent right there. And I know that that I, I, I can remember back and having some really long hours long conversation I think would cause could cause one or both people to really shut off and to disengage yeah. from from a process versus just taking actionable doable digestible small bites so I think yeah if we if we actually spend a lot of time in the conversation of 
oh my gosh, this is so hard. It's frustrating. Oh, I can't have this. I can't do this. I got to put this off. Um, we're we're going to talk, you know, throw the towel in and just say, forget it. But if we spend more time thinking about what are our goals and our dreams and our aspirations, that's, like I said, more fun. And it's kind of the glue that holds you there. Um, plus, I think we make it too complicated. I think, honestly, we have to look at this as one step at a time. If we don't look at this as one step at a time, then we're going to get overwhelmed with the process anyway. And so sometimes it is simply let's get a little bit of money in savings or let's have a garage sale or let's, you know, um, sometimes it's let's get a second job. You know what I mean? Um, and those are the things that those small decisions that make a big difference will add to that bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly appreciate that. What are there certain things that, that you when 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 you're working with people you see more more often than not these are things that are really blowing up people's budgets? Is it the little yeah. things? Is it the big things? Is it all of it? It's what we feel we can justify, and so lots of people justify dining out. Oh, I've got to eat. <laughs> That's right. I hear that a lot. Oh, I, but I've <laughs> got to eat. Like, and I'm like, sure, and I, and I do not think you can get dining out all the way down to zero. I think it's unrealistic. But, um, and I think it's demotivating as well, especially if you enjoy that. But, you know, people will justify what they want. And dining out is a big category that people will justify that, well, I've got to eat. Um, the other category is their kids. People spend money on their kids like it's no big deal. Um, on activities, on clothing, on toys, on whatever it is. They just don't say no. Um, and there are ways to look at how to put, a, I think, a healthy boundary around some of these categories. Um, of course, there's hobbies and clothing and things like that. You know, but I think it's not as much about the gadgets and the things. It's it's what you feel you can justify because you can't say no. It's that emotional attachment to your kiddos or, you know, having to spend money in certain areas because you, you know, you're justifying it. And so those are the harder ones that people have a hard time just letting go of or reducing down to a more healthy level. The other part of this is that you have to look at your return on the investment. If you're going to take dining out from 400 down to 200, you need to know what that $200 is going to do for you. It is not good enough to just say, I'm going to shrink the budget for the sake of shrinking the budget. You need to be able to quantify how much less time will I be in debt if I make these changes. And that's a key piece. If you know that you're gonna make these changes and it's gonna make a six month difference in you being able to get out of debt, that's big enough for you to say, okay, I can do this. It's six months less in debt. Um, and so I think people have to take that extra step versus just saying, we're going to, you know, slash and burn everything in the budget. That's not realistic. Yeah, I think that's excellent right there. Nice. All right, so people who are listening and they say, okay, yeah, I think now 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 is the time to to start this process. How how do people actually start? Yeah, people need a reality check. I think folks need to first look at their spending. So look at the last 30 days of spending and say, what have I done? Is this realistic? Does this have other things in it that aren't normal and just start paying attention by category. Make sure that you have your groceries, dining out, gas, clothing, entertainment, all of the things separated out, added it up. 
um, so that you know what you're facing. Because I think people have an unrealistic view. They'll say, oh, yeah, I think I spent $500 on groceries when really it's like $700. Um, so we're really optimistic about our level of spending. And then when we face the reality, now we're like, oh, I had no idea it was that much. It's usually more. Um, and I would get venture to say it's 20 to 30 percent more in our discretionary items like that. And so do a reality check. And then the next thing is to create a budget that is realistic, because now, sure, if you've got a certain number and you're like, well, I can shrink this down by 20 or 30 percent, that's more realistic than oh my gosh, this is horrible. We're going to go from, you know, spending $500 on some category down to 100. That may not be realistic for some people. And so you've got to look at your own numbers before you can make decisions on your budgeting categories. Nice. Love it. Well, Erica, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Difference-making tip. Gosh. So there's so many. But um, I think I'll I'll say I'll squeeze in two. One is couples need to get on the same page with their money. So you need to find commonality, find something that you agree upon so that you can move in a direction together. And I think, honestly, that single people need to have an accountability partner, somebody that they trust, that they can have, you know, some one on one time with and really talk brass tacks about the numbers, because those are, you know, the things that will help a single person move forward is just knowing that they're being held accountable. I think that is great stuff. That definitely gets. Come on, come on. <laughs> I couldn't. I, I couldn't agree more. I think accountability is. I. I, I'm, I think. I think we're all such big fans of personal responsibility. But. Yeah. But before we get there, <laughs> we we need a little bit of accountability. We 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 need help. Um, holding holding people to, 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 to what they say they're going to do and holding us to what we say that we're going to do. And then eventually maybe we'll grow into that whole personal responsibility thing. So yeah. perfect. Yeah. One step at a time. Yes. Well, Erica, thank you so much for coming back on Work in Savage Nation. Learn more about you. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So you can learn more about me at tailormakebudgets.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram, tailormakebudgets, and LinkedIn, Erica Young, and then also on Facebook, tailormakebudgets. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Erica your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to tailormadebudgets.com. Follow her on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Erica. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing. Leave us a review. And definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on.